everyone, and welcome back to Practically Zero Waste, a podcast for making zero waste living as practical as possible. Here in Canada, we're gearing up towards springtime and gardening, and while life looks a little different this year because of COVID-19, if you're able to get outside in your backyard or on your balcony, do it, because today's topic is garden therapy. I had the pleasure of chatting with Desiree Bandy, founder of 1.5 Degrees Compost here in Peterborough, the first organic waste pickup company in the city, and if you've been listening to this podcast for a while now, you know how long I've been wanting something like this to come around. Desiree and I talk composting, garden prepping, seed starting, and the therapeutic benefits of being outdoors with your hands in the dirt, soaking up that sunshine. If you're enjoying this podcast, I'd love it if you'd leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to support this podcast, I finally got around to setting up a way to accept contributions. So if you'd like to leave me a tip or buy me a virtual cup of coffee, you can do that at coffee.com forward slash Elspeth Callahan. That's spelled K-O hyphen F-I dot com forward slash Elspeth Callahan. But now it's time to step outdoors, breathe that fresh air and feel the hope of springtime. Let's go. Um... I really am more put together in real life than I have been that is so a- far. <laughs> Honestly, I don't even know what day it is. Anymore. I don't know. I'm either. just floating through life, so I confused. <laughs> I know. Me too. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself and what life was like before starting your business? For sure. Um, well, I've always been very outdoorsy and a total nature lover. I love to spend time in the gardens, hiking, just being outside, soaking up the sun, and it kind of started back when I was about 15, so a a long time ago. (laughs) And I was working at a garden center with my grandmother. It was my first summer job. And it was through that that I really started to understand the importance of horticulture and how we as a species navigate on this planet, you know, in harmony with Mother Nature and having like a deeper understanding of being able to be self-sufficient and, and to be able to grow your own food. That's something that is very important to me. I love that. That self-sufficiency is something that I'm just honing in on a lot lately. Like self-sufficiency community sufficiency where you just kind of like oh I feel capable like I'm not I'm not worried about all the things because I have a little bit more capability uh in my belt so I think spending a lot of time in the garden right now especially has been really therapeutic I'm all about you know garden therapy and I think it's really people kind of connect with earth and and sort of keep them busy and occupied while also giving them sort of like a self a sense of you know self-sufficiency and and ease of mind that way as well and a sense of accomplishment and productivity and you're getting your fingers down into the soil I love that so much it's just such a therapeutic thing and I think that even if you only have a balcony to an apartment or if you are taking a look at somebody else's garden as you're out on a walk or something or out in a park, definitely nature therapy, garden therapy is a real thing. Absolutely. Well, that's something that I definitely have realized is that you don't need a lot of space to be able to grow your own herbs and, and vegetables. Um, yeah. Last year, we grew way more than we needed and we occupied such a small amount of space in our backyard and we were growing so many peppers and tomatoes that we didn't even know what to do with. So. That's I fantastic. think, you know, that's a big misconception for people who live in, in apartments or have, you know, very minimal space is that you don't need a lot of space to be able to grow what you're going to need, which is pretty awesome. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. And even if it's just supplementing what you're buying from the grocery store to have just a little bit of extra stuff or to feel a little bit more secure when it comes to, oh, will I ever run out of basil? No, because this plant is doing overproducing on my windowsill here. That's cool. awesome. So tell us a little bit about your composting business. Where does the name come from? So 1.5 Degrees Composting Solutions 
Um, we are an organic waste pickup solution for Peterborough residents and businesses to kind of help them divert their food waste from the landfills. The name kind of comes from the IPCC report on climate change that states as a society, we need to keep our global temperature from increasing over 1.5 degrees above pre-industrial levels. I think a lot of people are very familiar with that report that came out a few years ago. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was a perfect fit with this business because composting is such a great way to not only divert food waste from our landfills, but also significantly lowers our emissions. So it's a really great opportunity to kind of, you know, engage with the community to help them keep that temperature below 1.5 degrees and that's definitely where that stemmed from you know because food waste in oxygen deprived landfills emits methane which is 25 percent more potent than co2 so i think that's you know a a really important thing to be doing you know diverting that food waste on such a large there's so many reasons why it's important (laughs) that's just one of them that just scratches the surface (laughs) yeah oh my gosh it's such a huge huge issue around the world food waste in general but also food rotting in landfills and so i love that the the name of your company is is a constant reminder it's not just kind of like woo eco-friendly go green it's like we have a serious issue and a crisis on our hands that involves reducing our global temperature increases we need to reduce that so that it's not going to affect the climate any further that's built right into the name how does your business work what are you able to offer people is it just residential is it for restaurants tell me a little bit more yeah so basically we service anybody who wants to participate in our program um you know, from schools to businesses and their offices and staff rooms, restaurants, residents, anyone who has food waste, we can service them. You know, it's uh, we really want to be able to, you know, help as many people as possible to, you know, to mitigate this problem. You know, and it's it's awesome that, you know, some people have backyard composters. I think that's so important. But a lot of people don't have the space or the time to do it themselves. Well, maybe the time now, but <laughs> um, the space especially to be able to be doing the compost themselves. So we really wanted to provide a service that, you know, could help people living in buildings who, you know, are frustrated with their lack of composting options, because I know that I certainly was. And that's kind of where it started was just my own personal frustration with putting that food in the garbage, knowing, you know, know. with my background in in horticulture, like understanding how amazingly essential this food waste could be in, in gardens for, you know, agriculture, for land health, for soil health, for, you know, plant health. There's a human you know, health. So it, it was really yeah. frustrating for me. Yeah. <laughs> we provide six gallon buckets um, with, they come with sealable lids. So it's awesome because, you know, there's no smell or pests being attracted to it. Once a week, we come and pick up the bucket and replace with a fresh one. So actually we found that majority of the people that we work with, even in households that have, you know, maybe two people in that house have been filling those buckets in a week. So it's definitely a good size for households. So especially now that we're all at home, you know, we're definitely producing a lot more food waste than we initially did with like food prepping. Although I've also become a lot more mindful of what I'm purchasing at the grocery store and making sure that I'm going there with a purpose. So right. Oh my gosh, there's so many details about our kind of new way of life. Um, (laughs) that uh, are significant when it comes to reducing your own food waste and say you put the end of an onion or um, carrot peels or whatever you're putting into your compost, a banana peel, things that like, like a banana peel, you're not actually going to eat that. So beyond stuff like that, also addressing food waste and making sure that you're really stretching everything that you have so that you don't have to go as frequently to the grocery store. All of those things are just so relevant to us right now. It is, absolutely. I mean, just the other day before we went to the grocery store, we mapped out a four-week meal plan, what? which I've never done 
it. Yeah. So it was, it was definitely a first for me, but we're like, you know, we want to get in and out. We want to be able to get exactly what we need for our meals and make sure that we're prepared and not buying things that we don't need, you know, to take up space in our kitchen. We have a tiny freezer. So we definitely were wanted to be really mindful of what we were buying and how much we were buying and making sure that we had enough food. So for me, that's something that's really important about mitigating food waste is always planning ahead. So that's something that we've always done before, but just we definitely doing it on larger scale now to minimize our trips to the grocery store. So it's been pretty cool. It's been a pretty cool thing, but that's probably one of the most important things to do when minimizing food waste because for me you know I love composting I think it is so important you know and there is a lot of completely unavoidable food waste but I essentially want our our service to be a last resort because there is such a bigger problem with food waste right now um, in our landfills and just so many things behind that that make it really you know important to me to educate people and help them minimize the food that they're wasting to begin with so I love it I'm so proud of your mission I'm so excited that this is happening finally in Peterborough like you're the only uh composting pickup service in Peterborough right now I think well then we're the only one so that's great that you're able to jump in on a on a city that yes the government, here's the update, folks. The government has given us funding once again, and so we do Yay! have approval. So eventually, Peterborough will have municipal compost pickup. But who knows how long that's going to take still, especially now. So if you are living in the Peterborough area and need compost pickup, this is your company. Yeah. That's and what... we also provide in the spring, um, we provide a free six-gallon bucket of finished compost for the people who are using our organic waste pickup service. Yes, um, yeah. But that's pretty cool. So it kind of goes full circle. They can get that compost back in the spring. We're currently giving it back now, which is awesome. Contactless door, doorstep delivery, which is very cool. Yes, very I just got two uh, six-gallon pails last night for my garden, which I'm really excited about. So how long has your business been in business? And where is this year's compost coming from? Is that just your personal stash of compost that you've built up? <laughs> No, so we, it's a funny story, actually. So we started actively doing our pickups in February. So not that long ago, we're still a baby. We started actually implementing the the organic waste pickup. We initially planned on using agricultural lands with a farmer to do the composting ourselves because I love composting. I'm yeah. very excited to be able to do that myself. Um, but it kind of fell through last minute, so we had to kind of pivot very quickly because, you know, people were already signing up for our program. And so we partnered with a composting facility in Belleville. So that is where we are currently bringing the compost. But our two-year goal is to purchase our own land and actually do the composting ourselves and, you know, give back to the community in a lot of ways, uh, you know, by growing vegetables and giving that back to local food shelters, um, (laughs) be giving back in the future when we're actually able to make that a reality but to kind of short term kind of get this into our community as soon as possible because at the end of the day you know it's it's important to start today yes. it's important to be doing this as soon as possible our landfill is increasing and increasing and 40 percent of that is food waste wow. so getting that out of the landfills as soon as possible was something that I really wanted to make happen so <laughs> I very much appreciate that that is very yeah. good yeah and the compost comes from that facility. They are actually an incredible facility. Unfortunately, they are the closest one to us wow. um, at this time. But they have a very innovative system. It's all indoor, which is pretty crazy. And they, they do a three-cycle turn. So 
it, it's it's very composted. <laughs> That's so good. And yeah. so that means that they, because they're doing kind of an industrial scale, they can accept meat scraps, oil, everything, that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. But when you move back to in two years, um, are just in Peterborough and doing the compost yourself, do you think you'll still be able to accept those kinds of items or? Yes. So not oil or, or like bulk greases or anything like that, but the meat, the bones and the dairy. Absolutely. Yeah. We will have such large, um, you know, piles of compost that they will be still getting hot enough to break everything, all that organic material down. So that, that won't be an issue. The only reason that they suggest that is because backyard composters, especially, they don't they don't get hot enough to actually break mm-hmm. down the meat and the bones and the dairy. And they can also attract pests, which people don't want in their backyard. Right. Once we're on a farm, that won't really matter. Oh, but the piles cool. will be hot enough that they will break down everything. Cool. So I want to talk a little bit about prepping your garden for springtime, including using compost, turning your composter if you have a backyard one, and what people could be doing right now to just get outside, get some garden therapy, and um, start planting stuff. Yeah, so definitely the first thing that you should be doing is pulling out your trusty garden tools. Make sure that they're all still in good working condition because there's nothing more frustrated than pulling out your tools from your shed and realizing that they are not functioning. (laughs) So that's definitely a first. Um, Definitely cleaning up the garden bed, pulling out weeds. Um, It's definitely easier this time of year to be pulling those weeds out because the soil hasn't hardened from the heat of the sun just yet and they haven't actually deeply rooted. You know, a lot of people, you know, even myself included, would suggest waiting probably until like the weather stays above 10 degrees, just to let those pollinators who are hibernating in the, in the leaves and the twigs to come into life. So waiting until about mid-May or late April, early May, and then getting the garden started is, is very good. Yeah. So I'm definitely a big pollinator garden lover. I think it is so important. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So we're, we're starting to plant marigolds and geraniums and uh, we're starting that indoor so right now is a really good opportunity for people to be making a plan for their garden I know a lot of people are being a lot more conscious and they want to start growing their own herbs and vegetables like I mentioned before so mm-hmm. that's really cool we've already started our peppers and our onions and cucumbers and carrots so I'm really excited about that that's great <laughs> yeah yeah so now's just a really good time to kind of get things get things in order start things indoors for planting season there's a lot of things that you can sow directly into your garden come mid-may but I like to start them earlier, kind of makes them a little bit hardier. And so. also it's so exciting to see things grow and to tend to things on a daily basis and to be like, look, there's a new sprout. My husband, I think, gets a little bit tired of hearing me be like, look at my plants, look at my plants. But I never get tired of it. So. Yeah. <laughs> Another piece yeah. of advice that I learned last year <laughs> is that if they're going to start their own fruits especially fruits actually be mindful that animals love that birds rabbits squirrels they will eat your vegetables and fruits so think about caging fencing some sort of chicken wire or even if you're able to have like a little mini greenhouse in your backyard um just to kind of you know keep the keep the animals out I know they're probably hungry too but (laughs) yeah um there's nothing worse than and then biting into an apple and realizing that it's already been half eaten strawberries do thrive pretty Mm -hmm. well I did learn that last year so strawberries are good um I guess just yeah do your research and see kind of what will thrive in our in our climate in Canada because we do get a little bit chilly Mm -hmm. (laughs) but starting strawberries a little bit later like late May early June is optimal so that there's 
they like the warmer climates for mm-hmm. sure. Great, cool. When would I introduce compost? Oh yeah, absolutely. So definitely putting in compost probably two to three weeks before you start to plant in your garden, apply probably one to two layers. Our compost is super nutrient rich. So you probably only need about one inch on top of your soil okay. and then water it um, even on like an empty garden bed, just to kind of let those nutrients soak in deeper into the soil is good for sure. But That's if you great. have an already existing garden from perennials from last year, when you're applying the compost, which you could do right now if you really wanted to, try to stay about a few inches away from the base of the plants, just because our compost is very potent. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, yeah, and then watering. So always watering after you've applied the compost is definitely a, a key feature. <laughs> if you're applying compost into your house plants, just a little tiny sprinkling on top of your soil and then some water and you're good to go. If you're applying it to an empty garden bed as well, you can kind of rake it around a little bit or mix it in with your soil as well. Oh, that's but good. if there's already existing plants, don't do that because you don't want to disrupt the roots, especially this early in the year. Mm, okay. You had said not raking your gardens quite yet and uh, disturbing pollinators. Can you just tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, so pollinators like our butterflies and our bees, they hibernate in our twigs and our leaves and in our soil and garden beds, especially if there's a lot of leaf mulch there. Uh, So it definitely is important to kind of give them a little bit of time to come out of hibernation before you disturb them. So typically when the weather stays around 10 degrees is typically a good time because they've kind of come out of hibernation and are now going out and doing their thing so that's great and you also mentioned pollinator friendly plants what are ones that are really good for pollinators irises and daylilies for sure Um, those are those are two of my favorites geraniums are also annuals marigolds are annuals Uh, bee balm is one of my favorites but they're also an annual so tulips are great pollinator friendly things dandelions i know there's like a love hate with dandelions (laughs) but they are actually the first food for our pollinators so although you might not like the look of dandelions it's definitely for me and for our pollinators and anybody who loves our pollinators which should be everybody (laughs) um you'll want to leave the dandelions don't don't cut them or pull them out i know a lot of people think of them as weeds but they're actually the first food for our pollinators in the spring so it's definitely important to leave those be so that's probably the most important one although some people consider them eyesores I like the the look of the yellow <laughs> they're softer to walk on <laughs> yeah, yeah that's true they said yeah go barefoot <laughs> some other great perennial plants are hostas ferns ferns that's a nice idea yeah I love ferns if you have like a really good shaded area that stays kind of moist ferns will thrive in cool. that hostas are one of my favorites too um ornamental grasses too i know that people kind of overlook ornamental grasses but you can get some really beautiful ones oh that's so. fun i think that a lot of garden centers are offering like pre-order and curbside pickup that sort of thing and uh, oh, like contactless delivery and all those new buzzwords but that is something that is good to know look it up in your area to see what is available what greenhouses are offering different things because if if you don't have your seeds yet or if you don't have soil yet or anything like that I mean honestly use what you have so look look in different places around you maybe a neighbor is not going to use their um, garden bed this year and so they're getting rid of that soil and you can use it or whatever whatever's around try and make use of what's available to you that you don't have to go to the store for actually that is a very good point because I know especially perennials like hostas 
they multiply like crazy. Like crazy, so there right. are a lot of people who will dig them out and then try to just get rid of them. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking to add a hosta to your to your garden, kind of look around and see if anybody has dug them up and left them on the on the road or yeah. at the end of their driveway. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Urban foraging. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> We did that one year. Um, there was uh, a guy and he had kind of just dug up like a, a public garden and he was taking out like all these hostas and we're like, what are you doing? And he's like, they've, they've been multiplying too much. Like they're overgrowing in our garden. So we have to take them out. And I was like, okay, can I take them? <laughs> and he was like, go for it. So that was pretty awesome. It was a very luck of the draw for sure. That's great. <laughs> There's something that I heard about recently, and obviously it's a conversation that lots of people are having lately. We talked about it a bit at the beginning, but um, the idea of victory gardens that were things that were happening at the time of the First World War and Second World War, people in European countries, I think it may have been happening in Canada too, were planting gardens with the intention to supplement their own food, but it was also really encouraged to boost morale and to reduce pressure on like the public food supply. So I think that that's so amazing to bring that back into the conversation just because it's so hard to access grocery stores. Yes, you plant something now, it's still going to take a long time to grow and actually produce fruit or vegetable, but it's amazing the idea to start those plant those seeds now so that later on you can still have that little bit more self-sufficiency that little bit more of a supplement to your food ration sort of thing I just love that idea yes and another thing to consider as well is that you know hopefully this is this is all over with sooner rather than later Mm -hmm. but you know, you can grow things like beans and cucumbers that you can preserve and pickle and dry out and keep over time. So mm-hmm. you can grow a large amount and and preserve it so that you're never really worrying about vegetables or produce in any way. So yeah, that's exactly. definitely something to consider. Yeah, actually, when you're planning your garden, because that is really the stage that we're in right now, other than starting yeah. seeds indoors, um, you have to you know, try and let your leaves rest a little bit longer and you can maybe do some weeding and stuff in your gardens to prep them. But for the most part, it's just the planning stage still. And you must just be like so excited if you're a gardener like us. (laughs) You must be just so excited to be like, it's sunny out, we need to plant stuff. But until then, plant or plan some sort of survival garden if you want to take it to that kind of angle so you're not just thinking about the foods that you like to eat um, when they're fresh and in season but thinking about what could I can what could I dry out what could I preserve come fall because all of these skills are so useful and if you have spare time on your hands I mean if you don't have kids running around who aren't in daycare or in school uh, then you might have a little bit more extra time and you can learn these new skills and plant your plan your survival garden. It's definitely a very rewarding feeling. And by planning ahead of time and kind of learning how to preserve those foods, it will also help limit the amount of food that you waste as well. So it kind of all goes full circle. I love that. Just like compost. Just like compost. That's right. What will you be planting in your garden this year on that note? Oh, I'm so excited. Yes. So I'm loving all of my pollinators. I will be planting hostas, daylilies. I plan to uh, plant a lot of sunflowers this year. We have beautiful backgrounds that I'm going to cover in sunflowers. I'm very excited about that. And then snapdragons, uh, geraniums. If you 
like geraniums, if you love them as much as I do, uh, the red variety are amazing for attracting hummingbirds. Really? So, okay, cool. Yes. With that in mind, I was blown away last year by the amount of hummingbirds that were coming like right up to where I was sitting next to my geranium flower mm. planter. Just, just buzzing around me. It was amazing. So, That's so uh, lovely. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really big into the pollinator gardens. <laughs> and um, we're also going to be planting beans this year, onions, carrots, peppers. We eat a lot of peppers, so nice. those are a necessity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and lovely. cucumbers. Oh, great. Yeah. That's so good. That's really fun. Like I've started um, some little tomato seedlings to a bunch of old coffee cups that I found when I was out um, for walks. <laughs> um, I've seen some really cool zero waste ideas for starting seedlings, like those like toilet paper rolls and eggshells. Oh, well. using an eggshell. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah, rinse it at first, but yeah, use the eggshell. <laughs> That's perfect. And then would I have to kind of crush the eggshell when I plant it? Oh, yeah. You could just kind of crack it if if yeah. the eggshell stays in the soil, that's totally fine because it adds calcium to your soil anyway. So oh, right. <laughs> it'll be beneficial. But yeah, just kind of give it a little crack so that the roots can get through and plant it in your garden. Perfect. That's such a great idea. So are there other types of food scraps that can be really beneficial, like um, eggshells adding calcium? Yeah. So, I mean, eggshells, like mentioned, are very rich in calcium. So they're really great for like tomato plants and rose bushes to really help them thrive because those plants need a bit more calcium than others. Citrus peels are really acidic, so they'll do really great things for your soil as well. Um, They contribute a lot of nutrients. And if you place the citrus peel directly into your garden, it helps attract pollinators, which is pretty cool. So if I just juice a lemon and put the whole thing, or should I chop it up a little bit? Chop it up a little bit, yeah, so that it kind of eventually breaks down a little bit faster. But for the most part, yeah, just chop it up a bit, put it around your garden bed, and yeah, it'll help attract some bees and some some butterflies, the sweet smell of the citrus. That's great. Yeah, and coffee grinds, that one's very important to me. That's one of the biggest things that frustrated me when I couldn't compost was putting all of those coffee grinds in the garbage. I'm like, these are so, so beneficial in a lot of different ways. I found a lot of uh, other ways. My background, ironically, is actually in aesthetics. So I was an esthetician for about eight years. So I was actually making body scrubs out of the the coffee, but I drink more coffee than I scrub my body. So, um, <laughs> isn't that always the way? <laughs> so, but they're really good because they actually completely restructure your soil. So, they're a leading contributor to holding that water in your soil and into oh, your garden. So, great. yeah. So when you're, especially when you're adding it to compost, you know, and it breaks down, that's one of the the best ingredients of compost that really helps retain moisture in the soil and in the compost, which is obviously really important, especially during droughts, Mm -hmm. especially for farmers, you know, because droughts really affect them. But when there's like a water ban, you know, being able to hold that moisture and water less and conserve that resource also is very important. That's perfect. That's so good. I'm going to have to talk to all my coffee drinking friends and have them bring their coffee Coffee. grounds by. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Your garden will thank you. Yes. But banana peels are very rich in potassium. So it's very beneficial for your soil. There's a lot of, a lot. The list goes on and on. (laughs) That is awesome. So I would, again, chop that up smaller. So I'm not just like leaving banana peels around my plants. (laughs) That's really good. I'm so, I should like make a Pinterest board for this episode and we'll just have all the different lists of things that are good for your garden, how to start things, when to start them, where to put your compost. (laughs) 
It's true. There's so much information. The content is endless. Yeah. Uh, And if you're into it, then man, enjoy deep diving into that because it's such a great mental outlet and fills you with so much hope. Like that was the other element of that victory garden thing. When I look on Wikipedia, it literally says it was meant to boost morale. And I think that that it is so true. Like we're talking about garden therapy. We're talking about just getting outside within limits, right? Like because we have to be isolated right now, especially here in Canada, like we're in Ontario, we're getting into closer and closer to more of a lockdown situation where we're really trying to not go beyond your own four walls of your garden or your backyard or unless you need groceries like other than that like just stay home and so because of that people are just itching I'm sure to get out and do something creative and this is that kind of creative outlet exactly I know it's tough because it can feel really confining but now that the weather's warming up and you can actually spend some time in your backyard you know it's it's very therapeutic for sure. Um, mm-hmm. I highly recommend it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I mean, for me, it was really important to start this business because I really wanted to help people and, and work with them on the amount of food that they waste. In Canada, in one year, we throw away as much food waste as it would take to end world hunger. And that was the biggest trigger oh. for me that really propelled me into this industry was learning that, you know, in just one year in Canada, we throw away $30 billion worth of food waste. And oh. according to the United Nations, it would cost $30 billion to end world hunger. So that statistic really drove home for me. And I was like, how, how do we help this? How do we fix this problem? What can we do? You know, a lot of municipalities are really slow and it's such an important thing and educating people, you know, there's, I, I mean, I love, that a lot of municipalities have organic waste pickup, but at the end of the day, they're a waste management company, and I wanted to be so much more than that. I really mm. wanted to work with people and make our our services a last resort for them, you know. And it's amazing the community that we have here in Peterborough. I mean, I grew up here, so it was really amazing for me to be able to connect with people and really understand that it wasn't just me that was feeling this frustration. It was, it was almost everyone. I'm so glad that you've started this because I, I thought about it and I was like, Oh, I'm not a business person. I don't know how to, I don't know how to do it, but this is something that I've wanted for so long. So I'm so happy that you're doing this. (laughs) That was one of the biggest, I guess, eye opening experiences for me was when we started this I was like oh like this is easy peasy like this will be a no-brainer like it won't even be that hard of a service to implement I was wrong yeah I was very wrong it's very complicated you know there was so much to learn um and but it was really cool to kind of engage with the community I think that's really what really pushed me forward through a lot of our obstacles and a lot of you know our struggles was was talking to the community and realizing that you know we had that support we had those people that were like yes we want this we need this this is so important and to just kind of all come together to really make change in our community is pretty amazing mm-hmm. sometimes you know especially lately with things slowing down understandably so it's been really hard for me certain some days to really feel that momentum to mm-hmm. keep pushing forward and mm-hmm. I feel like I'm definitely not alone in that feeling I know a lot of people a lot of small businesses in Peterborough and a lot of locals are feeling that overwhelming feeling of just kind of wanting to give up, feeling really overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. But I just continue to think about, you know, our goals for the future and what we really want to offer this community. And that kind of really helps push me forward when it, when things feel a little bit daunting. So 
it's really important to, to remember your goal and to remember everything that you want to achieve and really push forward to, to keep that momentum going when things are feeling bleak. <laughs> I appreciate that too, because honestly, the climate crisis is still going to be here when yes. COVID-19 dissipates. Like we still have to take care of the planet as much as we are able within the confines of our new reality, despite the fact that we may not be thinking about the planet right now, we may just be thinking about like, what are we going to do? How are we going to make ends meet for the next few weeks, for the next few months? How are we adjusting to this new world that we're in? But at the same time, we have to think about the climate crisis. We have to make conscious choices, yes. be good citizens of the earth. And yes. yeah. well, I think, you know, as tragic and and scary as everything that's going on has been, you know, people are, are starting to plant their own vegetables. They're becoming more self-sufficient. They're supporting local. They're driving less. You know, they're finding ways to to be self-sufficient. And I think that that is so important. And, you know, Mother Nature is pretty happy right now. Yeah, it's a great time <laughs> to learn a lot of good skills. <laughs> yes, it is. Oh my gosh, there's just endless things that you could learn and do with your own hands. I never imagined that I would be baking my own bread. Right, yeah. But I have started baking my own bread and it is delicious. Oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> that's wonderful. So that's pretty cool. There's a lot of really fun things that you can be doing right now to be, you know, self-sufficient. Flour is so cheap very crazy yeah and if you are in peterborough i know a lot of listeners are not in peterborough but if you are in peterborough the main ingredient is offering you can pre-order via email and then pick up contactless and pay over the phone with your credit card and it's contactless pickup it's it's so good so you can still support local businesses Everybody's just been adapting. It's amazing. In Canada, we actually throw out 750,000 loaves of bread every day. Oh. So <laughs> that's just kind of, and so, and you know, like it, it's hard to not, you know, sometimes you buy more than you need. Freezing it, you can always freeze bread, which is awesome. But I've noticed baking it myself. First of all, the bread is so much more delicious that it doesn't <laughs> even last. Um, but we're only making what we need. So right, it's definitely... Yeah reduce the amount of bread that we're wasting i think that's definitely a pretty cool skill to have use it up people for anybody who does have their own backyard composter do you have any tips for people who are looking to get more out of that absolutely uh, for those who want to compost in their backyards one of the most important things to be mindful of is the ratio between green waste and brown waste so for those who might not know what those are, green waste is your leaf and yard waste, you know, dead twigs, uh, dead weeds, like wood chips, anything like that. Uh, and brown waste is your food scraps. So for optimal compost turnover, you want 20 parts carbon, which is the green waste, the leaves, the mulch, and one part nitrogen-rich organic material, which is the food waste. Wow. So that's a lot of... Yeah, it's, it's a lot more green waste than it is brown waste. So yes, even carbon materials, straw, paper, cardboard, you know, egg cartons. Oh, yeah. That kind of thing. So you could even cut up paper and cut up cardboard into smaller pieces for faster turnover, tissue paper, paper towels. All of that is considered green waste. So there's a lot of it. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah, so it's not that hard to find it. I definitely would not recommend putting things like meat, dairy, bones into a backyard composter like we mentioned before because your backyard composter won't get hot enough to break it down very quickly and you will attract many vermin into your backyard. But I still do it. <laughs> I know. It's hard it's hard to waste it. It's very difficult. I completely like, understand. Everything has either been cooked 
so long because I've made a broth out of chicken bones or something like that, or I've picked it so clean that there's nothing being wasted. So if you're able to adopt those practices, is it still okay to put bones that are in? Is it okay to put bones? Yeah. 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 I mean, my recommendations are are mostly for if you want like the fastest turnover. Oh, okay. place those things in your backyard composter you might attract vermin but it just won't break down as quickly because it's not getting hot enough to break down like the bones um, and the meats because they are a more like a tougher Mm -hmm. organic material they are definitely still compostable and eventually it will break down I mean you could throw just a pile of of food waste onto your lawn and eventually it would go away (laughs) it will always go back into mother nature so you can definitely still compost all of those items, uh, but if you want like a quick turnaround for your yeah, compost. Yeah, yeah. Best practices, listen yeah, to Desiree. Yeah, yeah. But it is not... definitely still feasible and possible <laughs> <laughs> to be composting any food scraps. Yeah, listen to Desiree, not to Elspeth when it comes to composting, <laughs> but also listen to me because I do it and it's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although I did sift my compost yeah. recently and there was a lot of bones. <laughs> I was like, well, that's yeah. kind of spooky. They'll take a bit longer to break <laughs> yeah. down for sure, but eventually they will. Yeah, that's awesome. And is there anyone inspiring you in the low waste community lately that you want to tell other people about? Um, well, I love your podcast. Oh, thank you. That's definitely <laughs> inspiring. I love hearing other people's stories. Um, mm-hmm. I love hearing new ideas and things that we can all be doing to minimize our waste as a whole not just in just food um and honestly even the people that we've worked with the people who have composted with us they've been so inspiring you know I'm inspired daily by everyone in our communities and the partners that we work with who want to reduce their food waste as well and compost the rest it's definitely been really inspiring and amazing to see the support from the community and you know how many people really do care you know so yeah. I'm, I'm always inspired every day when I when I talk to people you know I always talk to like-minded people like me and we have great conversations about about food waste and yeah. the importance of composting so <laughs> because it's you know when you really understand composting and you really understand how much of a, an amazing valuable resource your wasted food is like the minute that you realize all of the benefits that compost add to your garden and and that you throw it away into the garbage. I don't think life is ever the same after that. <laughs> mm, yeah, well, that's so good. And where can people go to sign up or learn more about your business? Yeah, so they can check us out on our Instagram and our Facebook at 1.5 Degrees Compost. Mm-hmm. Or they can visit our website at peterboroughcompost.ca. Great. Or they can even just give me a call. My number's on all of those things. And we can sign them up over the phone and get them composting right away that's wonderful oh thank you so much for chatting with me today it was so exciting to talk about gardening and how therapeutic that is it's just the best oh well thank you so much for chatting with me too I really appreciate it it's always nice to talk to somebody who's so (laughs) like-minded it's also just nice to talk to somebody because we've been in isolation (laughs) for so long it's so true somebody who's not my boyfriend yeah exactly (laughs) oh if he's listening though I love him very much and and we love love spending so much extra time together but also (laughs) (laughs) yeah 
yeah, it's definitely nice to talk to somebody outside of the house. Yeah, (laughs) that's good. Thanks again for listening, everyone. If you'd like to learn more from Desiree, you can find her, as she mentioned, on Instagram and Facebook at 1.5 Degrees Compost or at her website, peterborocompost.ca. If you find me on Pinterest, you'll see I have a gardening board that has tons of content like what we talked about today. So if you're looking for resources and links, then it's all right there. But otherwise, give Desiree a follow to hear her gardening and compost tips in the coming months. If you enjoyed today's episode, you will definitely like number 22, self-sufficiency, 24, worm composting, 26, sustainable agriculture, 31 with the share waste app, 52, the avoidable crisis of food waste, and number 63, urban composting. You can find all of these and many, many more in our archives wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks in advance for any reviews you're able to leave or monetary support you're interested in giving to my work. It is very appreciated and valued. For example, thanks to Betsy for her note saying, I've been binging your podcast since recently becoming zero waste aware a few months ago and wow, I love the range of topics you cover and find it all so inspiring. I just listened to the episodes with Max Lamana and Lonnie Grothman and it makes me want to change the world, my own little corner of the world at least. Thank you, Betsy. You guys keep me feeling so inspired and motivated. <laughs> I love doing this and I'm grateful you love hearing it. If you want to be in touch, you can send me an email to practically zero waste or find me on Instagram at practically zero waste pod. Hearing from you is the best. That is all from me this week. Keep each other safe and talk to you soon.